Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Colossians. Today is episode 585. We're going to Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. Let's read our passage. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you are being grounded and steadfast in the faith, and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard, this gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. This is Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. Paul is sending this letter via Tychicus. Tychicus is accompanying Onesimus, the runaway slave, back to Philemon. And he's bringing this letter to the church of Colossae. There's a problem in the church. A problem with confusion over the gospel, really. They've taken their eyes off Christ and are seem to be caught up in angel worship. Or perhaps even getting special messages that they think are coming from angels. Special knowledge that puts them in the spiritual elite. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there but it seemed to be a problem with their focus on angels. Paul's trying to bring them back to the pure gospel, that is, Christ, and elevate Christ to the, the one they're truly looking to. So he did the introductory material, talked about how he prays for them, and then he had this Christological hymn. It was just showing Christ's preeminence in creation as the one who was active in creation and the one who's active in reconciliation. And the close of the hymn showed the idea of this cosmic reconciliation all brought about through Christ. So verse 21, he now is focusing on them. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions. So alienated means separated. There's a, a relational problem. Primarily it's a relationship with God and simply the way we discuss it so often as we're separated from God because of sin. So once you were separated from God because of sin, and he describes that as hostile in your minds, as expressed in your evil actions. Some like to throw in the idea of alienation, meaning also alienation from one another. Because you cannot have true fellowship apart from Christ. Even the, the closest allies in the world that falls short of what we really would experience as the true ideal of Christian unity. The problem is so often we corrupt that and don't see true Christian unity. So I think the, the big focus for us here is the alienated from God because of being sinners. And that's the description hostile in your minds is expressed in your evil actions. Verse 22. But now... He has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to bring you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. So in the previous section, he talked about this cosmic reconciliation, that all of creation is reconciled through the acts of Jesus Christ. And now he brings that home, so to speak, to the Colossians. But now you have been reconciled. 
So when we talk about reconciliation, yeah, there is this cosmic reconciliation, but the biggest aspect of reconciliation is the reconciliation of sinners to God via the action of Christ. Sinners going from spiritual death to spiritual life, from separated from God to being adopted by God. So that reconciliation has taken place through his physical body, through his death. And he's speaking about Christ's death on a cross. And this is the whole idea of the substitutionary death. Sin carries a death penalty. That goes back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, where God told them, if you sin, you will die. Now, they didn't die immediately, but they did suffer spiritual death immediately. And then they did eventually suffer physical death. So death is the penalty of sin. And that's where we're all born as sinners already under a death penalty. But reconciliation comes about because he died on the cross, took the death penalty we deserve on himself. And when we have faith in him, that results in justification as being declared innocent by God through faith in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. So reconciled by what he did on the cross. And then there's an outcome of that to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. So the three adjectives here, holy, faultless, and blameless, is there really a big difference in them? They're different words. They have different definitions. But really, I think he's just using kind of more of a, a literary form here to highlight this. Use three different words that very closely mean the same thing, holy, faultless, and blameless. There's enough overlap there. I wouldn't draw any distinction between them. The whole point there is you were a sinner condemned under the death penalty of sin, but based on what Christ has done, your faith in him. Now, God has justified you because of your faith. And being justified means to be declared holy. So where you were, a sinner separated from God, now you're reconciled with God and declared innocent. So contrast that to verse 21. You were alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions, but now you're wholly faultless and blameless. Now verse 23 uh, concerns some people where he says, If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard, Let's pause there. Does this mean I can lose my salvation if I have faith and am saved, and, but then I, I don't remain grounded? I lose my salvation? Well, no. Two aspects at work here. Some say just because of the way this is grammatically constructed, people call this a first-class conditional, where there's if this, then that. The if part is assumed to be true, and because of that, then the then part would be assumed to be true. So it's not really expressing doubt, but just laying out the condition. So you could say, assuming you remain grounded. There's that aspect of it. But there's also the aspect of just the way salvation is presented in the Bible. We normally think of, I was lost, I had faith, I came to Christ, I was saved, and now I am saved. And that is true. But so often, biblically, the model is it's not certain until the end that you have this idea of perseverance. 
That is, you persevere to the end. That's what he's talking about here. If you remain grounded and steadfast and not shifted away from the hope of the gospel, that is, if you persevere. And the idea of perseverance, it's the true saints, those who truly are saved, are the ones who persevere. That continuance is the test of reality. So those who seem to come to faith but then fall away, well, they never really did come to faith. They just maybe got excited about it. They just maybe did a religious thing. They never really were reconciled with God. They never really were adopted by God. It's that language of adoption. That's a, the big thing for me is who did the adopting? God did the adopting. And there's never any language of unadopting. There's a language of falling away and we read that first John where he says, and they were never part of us. So the idea that you know, this is not saying you can lose your faith. You can either go with those who say, because this is a first class conditional statement, it's assumed that's the case. It's going to be true. Or just go with the way salvation is presented biblically. Those are saved are those who persevere. Continuance is the proof of reality. Now, the whole reason he's bringing this up is what's happening in the Colossian church is they're drifting away from the pure gospel. They're starting to play with the gospel and change some things in the gospel. And so he's bringing it back to the hope of the gospel that you heard. And he continues, says, this gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. Maybe a mistake to say he's saying that it's been proclaimed everywhere. No, otherwise you wouldn't have the mission to get out and proclaim the gospel. What he's basically saying is this gospel has been proclaimed all over the place. The focus is this gospel. So wherever the gospel has been preached, it's been this gospel. The gospel that you are reconciled with God through faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. This gospel has been proclaimed all over the place. And I, Paul have become a servant of it. Of what? Of the gospel. The gospel. Just as a, a note here, Paul had become a servant of it. The word is diakonos there, where we get the word deacon. This adds to just some of the confusion as to deacon uh, the office or deacon just servant. And obviously here it's just servant or minister. So he's not speaking of the office of deacon. Now the whole point here is he's trying to bring them back to the gospel. You heard the gospel, you accepted the gospel, you embraced the gospel, don't drift from the gospel. Because so often we see that churches that are in, in big error, they have lost touch of the gospel, the gospel. The gospel, your sinners separated from God in need of reconciliation with God, which only happens through faith, what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And because of your faith, God justifies you, declares you innocent. That's the, the simple gospel. And once you start adding things into that or changing it or losing things from it, then you, you lose touch with Christ himself. And at that point, you really cease to become Christian. Christianity is based on the gospel. And the problem in the Colossian church is they're 
drifted from the gospel, Paul wants to bring them back to the gospel. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Colossians 3.16.